This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. I recently returned from my summer vacation. As I was driving back to work, the thought occurred to me, well, I guess it's back to reality. During this trip, there were so many moments of just being completely present, peaceful, contented, and full of joy. Then out of the blue, a new thought occurred to me. It's not back to reality now that my vacation was over. I was escaping reality now. This little insight reminded me of the fact when I experience deeper feelings such as joy, peace, and contentment, which seem to be more common on vacation, I am experiencing my true nature in those moments. I am present to life in those moments. I am feeling the truth. When I go into my head about what is missing from the moment, what could be better, or what should or shouldn't happen, I lose my connection to those natural feelings. All those nice feelings I had didn't come from the cruise ship, the food, the friends, or where I was in relationship to the Earth's equator. Those deeper feelings were always there. They never left me. I left them. I had fallen right into the trap of thinking my feelings following the vacation were a natural response of what happens when you get back to reality, when in fact, it was my thinking fooling me, secretly helping me escape reality. How comforting it is to realize we don't have to be anywhere or go anywhere to experience vacation feelings. So from now on, back to reality is not such a bad thing, writes Jamie. Valeria Telles interviews Jamie Sellers, L-I-C-S-W-P-I-P, a licensed clinical social worker with a private therapy and coaching practice. Jamie Sellers, L-I-C-S-W-P-I-P, is a licensed clinical social worker with a private therapy and coaching practice. Over the course of his 20-plus years in the field, he's worked with a wide range of populations, such as children with severe emotional or behavioral challenges, people diagnosed with severe mental illness such as schizophrenia, and those who struggle with anxiety, depression, and addictive or compulsive behaviors. He has also spoken at national conferences for change professionals on topics such as the health of the helper. His passion in life is to serve others by clearing up simple misunderstandings that lead to complex problems by pointing people towards their innate source of wisdom, clarity, and common sense. A part-time professional magician on the side, he also uses the art of magic to enhance his teaching. In this conversation, he will shed light on the default nature of mental well-being through sharing his own insights and personal and professional stories. He is currently a practitioner member of the Three Principles Global Community, a nonprofit organization committed to bringing an understanding of the three principles of mind, consciousness, and thought, as discovered by by Sydney Banks to people throughout the world. Meet Jamie at innatehealth.solutions. Here is the interview with Jamie Sellers. In your own words, who is Jamie Sellers? Well, first I would say that uh, it would depend on um, when you would ask me that question. <laughs> <Okay>. so, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I've, I've uh, found that 
to answer that question is, is really more about um, trying to figure out who I'm not. You know, it's that that stripping away of these beliefs about myself. But in, in the world of form, I guess you could say I'm a, um, uh, a husband and a father and uh, I'm a social worker by trade. And um, but work, um, you know, work with people to try to help point them in the, in the direction of their own wisdom and their own innate health. Uh, I'm a magician. Oh, on the side. yes, I know. <laughs> That's yeah, fun. There's uh, <laughs> I use that a good bit in my work. And um, I'm a jokester, like to uh, sometimes almost inappropriately. Oh, <laughs> my wow. humor. But um but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot about me. I guess you could say um, that's a constant exploration. Thank you so much for doing the work you do and for expressing yourself the way you expressed now. Yeah, this um, the word of form. I love that. So I guess my second official question is about the purpose of the human experience. What do you think that is? Oh gosh, the purpose of the of the human experience. I, I feel like we're all on this journey to, to get back to who we really are. And I think that essence of who we really are is, is really just the same. It's, it's like, we're all the same in that way. The, the path back to, to who we really are uh, is, is different for everybody, but it, it's um, takes many different forms. But I think the purpose of the human experience is to, uh, is to love is to uh, connect with people, to bring joy and light in the world. There's in, in my mind, I'm thinking of uh, sort of personal, like the in the in the personal world uh, of of the human experience, and then more in the impersonal of the human experience. So, but I think it ranges from just ultimately getting back to uh, our connection with God. But how did you come to these understandings, Jamie, as of today? Yes. So um, it's been quite a journey of, of unlearning, I guess you could say. I would say 20 plus years ago when I was in college, I was just a, I had a real bad case of striving for more, better and different. I was I was a seeker. I was a um, that, you know, the grass is greener <laughs> syndrome was was a. Uh, a diagnosis of mine. And I was, I was constantly chasing the rabbit, um, on the dog trace, the dog chasing the rabbit, um, on the dog track, find, trying to find happiness. And I was in a, in a situation where I was just really distressed, um, dealing with a breakup of a, of a relationship and which I initiated <laughs> and, and then, um, wanted to get back, uh, into the relationship. And, and the girl, uh, she said, you have to be happy with yourself before you can be happy with anyone else. I don't know if you ever heard that one. (laughs) And I was like, but I am happy. (laughs) And of course, um, (laughs) such a cliche, but, um, but anyway, in my desperation, I ran across a book in, in, in the uh, bookstore and, and something that really hit me hard. And it was essentially that, um, all of my suffering was, was coming from me getting out of the moment and I was getting into the future or, or into the past. And so the, the whole truth of, of that, this moment is all there is. It hit me and I just started laughing. And, and, um, from that point on, I, I just, uh, continued to pull that thread. And, and over the years I've been introduced to the teachings of Sidney Banks, who I mentioned in the bio, um, the uh, three principles, and and I've been a, a practitioner and a a teacher and a learner of those of the three principles for twenty plus years now, and um, so that's kind of how I, how it started. What was interesting though um, too is that it wasn't something that I discovered. I, I was already a professional. I was a I was a therapist um, right out of graduate school, and. Um, and it was my personal journey that my personal seeking that led me to this. It wasn't that I went to a professional training or I was seeking um, way, better ways to help people. Um, it was something that I discovered in my personal growth and then later started to think, I wonder if I could apply this <laughs> as my in my work in, in, mm-hmm. in mental health. 
So that's kind of how that played out. Thank you so much for being open to life, Jamie, which means being open to yourself. You mentioned God earlier, the word God. What is your idea of what or who God is? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in a, um, you know, in, a, in the Christian faith. And, um, and so that was, you know, my background. I don't see God um, in the same way from a, in terms of the form of the of the religion of Christianity that I used to, um, but I really see God as just this in, this intelligence that's that's basically running life. Um, it's it's who we are. It's it's everything. That's a really tough question <laughs> because it's yeah. like it's so yeah. big. It's hard to give yeah. it credit. You know, it's yeah. it's the it's the little things and then it's the big things. Mm. It's this the energy that's in this cup of water I'm drinking, and it's the um, power that um, that turns a, a marriage around or um, that uh, wakes someone up to their alcoholism. It, it's just. I think as soon as we put a form on it, it it loses its power. And so I know that sounds like a catch-all answer, but um, I use the term God. I'm, I live in the South in Alabama. I'm a, um, in the Bible Belt, and and so um, I'm very comfortable using that terminology and speaking in terms of of the Christian faith. However, I have a, a much more universal belief system around that around God at this time. Another question is on healing. How would you describe what healing is and what are some of the obstacles to healing? Ah, that's great. So I think I, I'll, I'll use an example of, uh, let me just tell a quick story. So my son, when he was, when he was in high school, he broke his leg. He was out goofing off with his buddies and, and broke his leg and had to have a full leg cast on it. And the um he had to have surgery and had to have pins put in it and the um now his leg healed okay now the doctors did not heal the leg he did not heal the leg in fact the healing started as soon as the injury happened the healing had started the cast just protected it so that the healing could take place i see healing as something that is a natural God-given process that that kicks in when we uh, get out of the way of it, and so um, it's like the, there's a flow of of healing that occurs, and that and when I say get in the way, it could be something physical like picking at a sore, or it could be something mental like ruminating and dwelling on a past trauma. Healing is is trying to take place. Um, in the same way that a beach ball held underwater is trying to come to the surface. And so I see healing as this life is naturally moving in the direction of healing. And the question is, not, are we do, not what are we doing to heal, but what can we stop doing to prevent healing? Is there such a thing as being ready to get out of the way and let the healing flourish? Oh, yes. Yes. So it's just like um, to use the example of the uh, of the broken leg, um, there was a period of time when when uh, it didn't need to be messed with at all. It needed to just, you know, after the surgery, uh, it was a matter of just rest and and not having any, you know, in, no, any uh, stress to it. And then it got to where there was a time when he was ready to start rehabbing it. Right. And so in my practice, there are some people who are not ready. They're not they don't feel safe enough and they're not ready to to get out of the way of it. <laughs> and so um, and that's part of uh, what I see. Uh, uh, my role as a helper is to um, be able to to pay attention to their readiness to be um open to it when it when they are ready and then um, and then guide them in that process especially with children who I've worked with who've experienced you know severe trauma sexual abuse and that sort of thing so it's I think that the world gets impatient and wants 
uh, therapists want to like induce, mm-hmm. uh, induce the healing. Right. And, um, but, uh, they have to be ready, you know? Yeah. All the things we see in this reality and all the, the chaos and the pain, the suffering, it's that something that reflects that, that most of us human beings are not ready to heal. Well, I think that people, I think there's a misunderstanding about, and, I, and I'm going to speak mostly about emotional and, and spiritual health, but I think people misunderstand the world as a whole has a, has a, a misunderstanding about where they, what they think their feelings are telling them. And so I often will tell people when I'm speaking to groups, um, people with addictions, that if the only thing they realized was that it's okay to feel bad, that would do wonders. Because the reason they ended up in the situation is because they were trying to avoid feeling bad or they were trying to make themselves feel good. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a reason we don't have therapy for two and three-year-olds yeah. because they <laughs> yeah. just, they don't care. Uh, they don't care about feeling bad. They, <laughs> they, they experience the full range of human emotion and they get over it really quickly. And, and so that's the natural, that's why children are so natural. They, they flow through life so naturally. And then, um, we start to learn, uh, we start to like get away from that as we get older, we start getting attached to certain feelings and avoiding certain, you know, other feelings. And so, um, it's really about coming, becoming more like a child and, and, uh, and having, being okay with having bad feelings, knowing that they will pass. And so, and that's part of, part of that healing process is allowing you know, allowing the uh, some pain to come and go, yeah. you know? Yeah, a billion times to that. What a beautiful message. Thank you for saying that, Jamie. Would you say that that is um, a sign that would be the destination for emotional healing, to come to terms with that, with our own feelings, and and let create that space so they can be there? <laughs> yes, I, I would say that if the world or if society would slow down, that's the first thing. And, um, and yeah, and allow themselves to feel instead of trying to avoid or, but, but I want to, I want to emphasize that it's innocent because I think sometimes it, it can sound, um, like I'm, I'm saying this to you, but, but I'm speaking to myself because it, it, on a daily basis, I find myself trying to uh, avoid a, a feeling in some way and getting lost. So, part of being human. And so, um, but I, and I've been learning this for 20 years and I, and every day I I fall short from time to time. So, um, so I think it's innocent, but the innocence is what leads people astray and, and has them, um, really trying to fix things or figure things out that, uh, that they don't, that doesn't need to be figured out. So in a way, it's taking all those feelings too seriously. That's what we do, don't we? The content of the mind. Yeah. And when it comes to spiritual growth, what is the destination for that, if there is one? What is your vision for being there spiritually? I would say just finding myself more and more present, more and more in touch with the moment, and um, and and really more not necessarily in the driver's seat, but more being lived as opposed to living. So it's, um, you know, being along for the ride, like much like a child on a, on a road trip, you know, you're just enjoying the scenery and you're not, you're not so concerned about, you know, with the maps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So true. Being in the moment, you know, this is something that we hear a lot being here now, is that something that has to do with focus and concentration or is an open awareness of being here? Yes. No, I, I would I would say that um, being in the moment, being present is is your mind is is free and you're not there's not a contamination of the future or the past. So it's it's that space that we fall into when our mind gets really quiet. And it's 
it, it's the uh, it's the really the root of enjoyment, uh, contentment, um, peace, uh, joy, all of those things that we're looking for. They happen when we're uh, in the moment, and and our head is isn't full of a lot of excessive thinking. And, and there's a lot, you know, the, over the past several years, you know, mindfulness has become a, a, a real, um, it's become real popular. And so um, I don't necessarily talk about it in that way. In my mind, I, th- I found that when you see that this moment is all there is, you don't need mindfulness to escape some scary future or, or some, uh, you know, bad past. Mm-hmm. The realizing this moment is all there is. It, it just does. It just doesn't make as much sense to um, to leave it. Right, <laughs> so true. You know? <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't make sense. Um, although you have heard that before, the common sense is not as common as <laughs> we would right. like it to be. <laughs> That's exactly right. Ah, so I see that you connect healing to spirituality. It sounds to me because the way you speak sounds very spiritual. Do you make that connection often? Uh, y- y- yes, yes. Well, it, it depends on. I mean, I'm I'm flexible in my teaching, so um, I can I, when I'm working with some people, it, it can be like I've worked with people who are atheists and people who are really, really hardcore, fundamental Christian um, clients. And I've found that um, there's a logic, there's a way of talking about things that's very logical and scientific that some people resonate with. And then there is a way of talking that's very spiritual and very, um, and and they're comfortable with that. So um, as we talk, it's, it's, driven more from a spiritual perspective. Yeah. But if you could hear me speak at another mm-hmm. yeah. uh, interview and it would it might look <laughs> totally different. <laughs> yeah, the language will change, right. But it's the same thing, isn't it? We're just using different words. That's exactly right. But it's That's exactly thing. right. It's like agua, agua and water and oh. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> still water, right? And and uh, the essence is the same. But we really we get caught up in our concepts, that's for sure. You made me curious about your work as a magician. Do you integrate that to your work as a licensed clinical yes. social working therapist? Yes, you and do? I would love to. I would <laughs> love to share a quick story about that because this is um, this was something that really impacted me early on. Um, I've been doing magic um, at sleight of hand uh, since I was in college, and um, and I initially would use it as a way of breaking the ice and just getting rapport. But I started doing magic in the uh, when I worked in the psychiatric. I used to work in a psychiatric hospital um, for many years, and I would lead group on the adult unit. And you had people who were really sick, um, people with you know who had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, and people who were suicidal, um, uh, people who had. Uh, who were having panic attacks and um, and substance abuse. Not, not to bring the conversation <laughs> down, but, but I want to give you some context. Yeah. So, uh-huh. uh, so I would I would say it's group time. You know, it's group time, and, and of course they're not. Some of them are there against their will. You know, they're involuntarily there, and so I would um, start doing some card tricks. And if you walked in five minutes later after I started doing the magic, you would not be able to tell who had schizophrenia, who had bipolar, who was depressed, because they would all fall out of their conditioned thinking and they would all fall into that space of, of feeling like a child and their joy and their humor. They would. Uh, there were times when I would tell them, all right, y'all need to keep it down. Remember, we're in a psych hospital. Because, because they would just... The, their mental health was was right below the surface of the waves, the the tumult, you know, the the torrential downpour and the tumultuous waves. Right below the surface is their mental health, and it would come out when the, the magic would facilitate their 
their thinking getting quieter. So they would bring them into the moment and they would enjoy it. And it wasn't like they decided to enjoy it. You know, it wasn't like they said, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. It just naturally happened. And that was when I saw firsthand that mental health is inside everyone, but they just don't know it. And they don't under, and they don't realize it. And so I could start pointing that out to, to clients and, and they would often they would go back into their heads right after. But I could use that as a um, as a vantage point to teach. You know, it's like you've got you've got court uh, in an hour and and but you're feeling great. What, what how is that possible? And it's, it's showing them that their experience is happening in the moment. It's it's not happening out there in the world. It's almost in a way when we are in the moment, we become embodied. We feel life as it happens right now. The sensations in the body. It's such an amazing, it's a magical, I use that word actually. It's a magical <laughs> thing to be in the it moment. Really is. Yeah, it is magic. <laughs> That's interesting that you do that. And do you still apply that? I mean, I would call it technique, but it's a beautiful way of healing others. I mean, bringing them into the moment, which is highly healing anyway. It is. It, it, it's, um, I use it. It helps with rapport, of course, working with teens or, or with kids. Um, it also is um, a great way to point out the illusion, you know, that, that of our experience. And, and um, there's a lot of more... Uh, overt ways of using it to teach, but then um, oftentimes it's it's just a great way of, of just kind of getting things, kind of getting people's heads in the right space um, for a conversation. And so um, once they've seen something like that and they've, now it, what's really interesting too uh, is that some, some people really hated it, but it was because they would the, the, their intellect would want to figure it out and they would get stressed out about that. So it's not, that's the problem with techniques is that there, that there's going to be a limit to, um, it's not going to help everyone, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's why there are so many different kinds of techniques and healing modalities and different personalities. It helps a lot. There's a term you use, default nature. So talk to me for a moment about that. I know you probably have been talking already about it, but more specifically, how would you define this term? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, a computer has a default setting. I mean, it, you can reset the computer or your phone to like factory settings. And I see a def default as just sort of it's, it's, the, it's that basic fundamental state. And so... As I was saying about the um, with the group that I was leading, when people when their thinking quiets down, when their their mind uh, there's some space and they and they they really it's like falling into a state of meditation. Their their head is is clear. Mental health automatically comes out as a default setting. It's it's a it, it's like the sun behind the clouds. So the clouds cover the sun and it, and we'll say, well, the sun isn't, you know, I wish the sun would come out. Well, the sun is already out. The clouds are obscuring it. And we don't have to get up there and wave the clouds away. Uh, we understand that when the clouds pass, the sun will, will peek through automatically. That, that is the, in my mind, the nature of the default nature of our mental health. We um, we're all connected to this, uh, this wisdom and this common sense, as you mentioned earlier, when we quiet down enough to listen to it and, uh, it, it gives us what we need. Um, we get the feelings we need or we get the solutions, you know, the ideas. And so, um, what I loved about the, um, working in the hospital is that, it's we're we're really you know the world is quick to say that there are certain people who have conditions that just it's just not possible for them to be happy or be at peace and when you can see someone who is involuntarily committed to a psych 
uh, a psych unit and you see that person experiencing peace and joy and a sense of humor, even if it's just for five minutes, that's evidence that that mental health is is still at a, def- a, a default setting. And so my role is to draw that out and then also to point it out with clients and to help them see it for themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Through experience. It makes a lot of sense to me. From a spiritual perspective, yeah, absolutely. So let me mention some of the pieces that you have written. You have written many of them, articles, and you have sent some of them to me. And I love the way you write. I love the way you speak too, and the way you express this beautiful healing wisdom that you got to experience and know. There's uh, the one about the unknown. It's titled Faith in the Unknown. There's um, a passage there that caught my attention. It reads, when struggling with life, a big step is to learn how to be comfortable with the unknown. So my question is, how does the unknown relate to having faith? Yeah, you know, um, I had realized that Uh, looking back that on my life that um, times in my life when I really experienced a lot of joy and contentment and and excitement and that, that it were, there were times when, when I didn't know what was going to happen, whether it was a vacation to a place I'd never been um, when I had my first child going, getting a new job, there was just this being in this, I guess you could say we're always in the unknown, but there are times in our life when it's more on our mind. And so I have since discovered that what people, uh, what stresses them is not the unknown. It's the idea that, that they need to know or to figure it out. It's trying to figure out the unknown. And so that's where, that's where it gets, it gets tricky. Um, COVID, you know, the pandemic, um, there was a lot of discussion about, oh, in these uncertain times, uh, lots of emails would come out saying in these uncertain times, well, life is always uncertain. Um, This just pointed it out. It just kind of put it front and center. We're always in the unknown. And so um, ironically, young kids, as I said earlier, they lo- know way less than we do, and they are way more comfortable with it. Mm, yeah. So yeah. you would think that yeah. if knowing was going to help us feel better. <laughs> it's quite the opposite. <laughs> it's quite the opposite, right. It's so true. So um, I don't know if that answered your question, but that's that's something I um, I feel uh, it's, a, it's a topic that is, it's so, um, I don't know, sometimes it's kind of hard to grasp, but it's fun to talk about. Yeah, it is. That's one of my favorite topics besides self-love, you know, that unconditional Mm love. Speaking of the unknown, I have wanted to say something. Yeah, that makes me think about the idea of trust. Maybe that's why you you kind of connect that to faith. I wonder when I'm trusting what's happening like this, which we call life. Yeah, I do agree that we have no idea what this is. (laughs) When I trust that, that whatever is happening, it's happening and that's okay. However, it unfolds. That's kind of where I am now. So I'm wondering, who am I trusting? Like, yeah, that's the question that I often ask myself mm. because I don't see anything that I'm trusting. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, I think it's just it's just knowing that, and it goes back to, I guess, to, to how you see the, you know, God or, or this, this intelligence that has our back, you know, um, that, that there's always a safety net and, and I think it's uh, it's that faith is is it's not faith that things are going to work out the way that you want them to or that you think it just it's just that faith um, that it works out even if it doesn't work out. And so it's going to look different. But even if it doesn't work out, something else, there's always a bigger picture in play. And so there's always. There's always a you know there there might be a learning that's in play. There might be um, some other uh, healing that takes place that you didn't realize while you go through um, a, a difficult time. So um, so I don't know. I think I think faith is just it's that 
in a way, I would say that it's something that you, you know what it is. It's if you if you want to talk about like trust, it's like the opposite of fear. And imagine that you imagine that you got on a roller coaster, and um, and you you. you you, all right, let's say let's say that you, all right, you just said it. So let's pretend you don't like roller coasters, okay? All right, now imagine that um, you you get on the roller coaster and then you you found out the person tells you that 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 particular roller coaster that somebody had had um, it had they had fallen off the day before. So your so your faith in the seatbelt working um, isn't very good. So you're going to have a lot of fear now. So a lot of people love roller coasters because they have faith. They're not thinking about uh, falling out. Um, they just enjoy the ride. And so um, now they, they wouldn't say, I have faith, I have faith. Because um, I think if you keep saying you have faith, then, you, then you know, who are you trying to convince, right? So it's, it's faith. It's, it's almost like when we really have faith, this is going to sound a little paradoxical, but when we really have faith, it's not on our minds, you know. And so when we're trying to convince ourselves to have faith, we're, we're getting in a little bit of fear and insecurity. And it's normal. I'm not I'm not judging it. I mean, I'm this, I'm right there with it. But true faith is just this calm acknowledgement of, of what that things are going to be OK. And um, so that's just what I'm. Mm seeing right now. Yeah, it. yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me from the standpoint of somebody who is trusting the idea of a God that stands there and is holding it all together or anything else. There's a lot of spiritual teachers that they have this idea of an entity. In my case, I don't, so I don't have anything. It's very much like a free fall. There's nothing there. There's no hope for anything else better than this or beyond this, because this is already fulfillment to me. And that comes as a message every time. But then there's uh, the paradoxical kind of idea of trust that I'm, it seems like I'm trusting something. It seems, but it's not in my head, as you said. It's, I'm not thinking about it. Right. But it is here, and I have no idea what that is. Although it feels like that whoever we are, whatever we are, it's something that doesn't change. It's was never born anyway in the first place. So it cannot be the uh, body or the mind. So it's beyond Right. Our, our concepts will always fall short. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. So another piece that you have written that caught my attention is the, that you sent me, of course, is a Crossing the Line. Talk to me for a moment about the message behind this piece, please, Jamie. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I think that I... Um, that particular one, I was I was just talking about how we we make up these conditions about what we think is worth getting upset about, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so um, we have these these conditions, and 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 it's a moving target. It doesn't um, it's not the same all the time, but um, and it, and it's really just about perspective and and what we would be complaining about. Um, would change based on the perspective that we have in the moment. And so, um, and so, yes, I, I think that when I was um, talking about how people, you know, will have certain conditions that, well, this doesn't really cause me to feel, this doesn't uh, make me angry. Um, but when this happens, yeah, this would make me, it's like, there's a, like, there's this arbitrary line that we draw that if you cross that one, oh, now, now we're talking about so for me it would be Alabama football, you know. <laughs> so I'm feeling great until we lose uh, in the championship game, and so I have that line that I that I made up. You know, it's a made up line that we make up and, and draw. So true. It resonated true, especially because I have interviewed so many people, and I remember somebody saying that about anger that he was a very angry person for so long, and he found out that he was addicted to anger. If that was mm. the main problem, he had to get angry. <laughs> that mm -hmm. was the mental construct. That's how he operated. If that caught my attention that time. I remember thinking that's it is true. We addicted to a lot of our own ways of thinking. Yeah, when well, you know I think that that's us uh, identifying with who we think we are. So if so if we think we're an angry person then 
then we're going to strengthen that kind of strengthens the ego side of things. And so, um, and ego wants to strengthen itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. I love the way you write. It's really, really fun. And I was just thinking here, wow, what an amazing work, because it sounds very serious, healing and all these topics. But then you bring this lightness and playfulness to it. Well, I appreciate you noticing that, because that is something that I would say um, a, a real value of mine is um, a, taking a lighthearted approach to working with people. And, um, and I think in most cases, um, people appreciate that, um, that, that I can be lighthearted and, and about sometimes serious things. There've been a few times when, um, I had to learn to maybe be a little more reverent and a little more in terms of validating, uh, sometimes with people suffering. Um, that's just because I, I just see the potential and the hope and so sometimes it gets it could get misconstrued as maybe being a little bit dismissive. So, um, but yes, I'm, I try to. I, I want to say I try to. I'm I'm naturally pretty lighthearted. Um, I got that from my family and from my dad, and and so I I, I think life is too important to take seriously. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, that's another beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful message. We all need to be know that and be reminded. That's a beautiful reminder today. The way you said before about something you said about reinforcing the ego, you know, the false mental constructs we have, the belief systems mm -hmm. and all those patterns. I really love the idea that we can do that too, like in our own lives with the people around us and the work we do, you as a therapist. I know it's a very tricky thing because as a professional, then it's very different. But the idea of not reinforcing their false beliefs about themselves right yes and just and just being able to um uh help them see that that they aren't who they think they are and and they're not defined by um what they've been through and so um but it has to be experienced i think um the i as an as an intellectual idea it's a little it it, it falls short We're almost at the end, and I also wanted to mention the other piece that I really, really love. I have that one, actually. It's part of the introduction, Back to Reality, the one that you talk about, vacation. So you say, during this trip, there were so many moments of just being completely present, peaceful, contented, and full of joy. Those deeper feelings were always there. They never left me. I left them. Yeah, the heart just opened when I read that. Yes, that was a that was a fun insight. Uh, after after that cruise, I was headed back to work. Um, I went on a cruise with my um, wife and some friends, and and um, and I just it was my first cruise, and I remember just having in, kind of embarking on the unknown, um, heading out and out to sea, and then. Uh, I could feel myself as we started heading back, kind of leaving, <laughs> um, leaving the present and started to think about uh, getting back to uh, the real world, so to speak. And so um, that was when I, I realized um, as I was heading into work that that following week that um, that I w it wasn't back to reality. Um, I was actually in reality when I was in the moment. Right. Which is always the case. Well, and that's what the, to, to, to know I keep bringing up the, the group, but when I asked them, well, well, why did you enjoy the magic? And they would say, they would say, it gave me a good escape. It gave me an escape from reality. And, and that's when I would point out that in fact, you're leaving reality when you start thinking about where you're going to go when you leave here or when you're going to leave you actually got in touch with reality when we were when we were doing the magic and so it's all kind of pointing back to that same that same um point there's something else that you write that i really love you said the more intense and negative the feelings the louder the wake-up call to look inside That also caught my attention because it's so yeah. true. And then you have another article titled Control Issues? Question mark. And then you say, 
Any issue is, at its core, a byproduct of misunderstanding. I love that. So um, you say a lot more, of course. Matt. Well, I um, that was really good. I'm, I'm surprised I said that. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> good reminder again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. So it is so true. Perception. It's, we create our own reality that's very small, very confined and limited. Yeah, well, and I would even say, I would say that it's not even so, I think sometimes when people hear that, they think that they can just start creating their own, like... Oh, the opposite uh, like, reality. <laughs> or alternate, yeah, and I think it's really more that reality, I think reality is created within us. I don't necessarily think we're doing it. I think it is something that is happening with inside. And so it is an inside out experience of life. But I used to say we create our reality. And then but what happened is people would start trying to think them, themselves into feeling better, or they would start trying to manipulate or manage their thinking um, to try to uh, have better experiences. And so when you understand what's really happening behind the scenes, when you understand that your suffering is just an um, an in, it's just a an indicator that you've left the moment that you've gotten in your head and and gotten a little insecure. Then then you can um, allow the allow those feelings to pass, but you don't have to you don't have to make it happen. You don't have to think your way into a better experience um, of life. And so that, that's where the faith comes in is to, is having faith that you're you'll be okay if you just um, allow yourself to to have a human experience and be curious about where you know what's going on behind the scenes. Mm, yes, yeah, a billion times to that truth. I love love your wisdom and how you communicate the message, Jamie. These profound messages. Thank you for being you, for being open to life. Well, thank you. I've been, and I appreciate um, your questions. Um, help to draw that out. Um, I love doing this. So it comes with the territory. Let's see. I have a few more questions, the ending questions. But before that, would you like to add anything else that we didn't cover or discuss today? Um, nothing's coming to mind in the moment. Okay. So I'll ask you this question. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Oh, well, I think um, success is just the feeling of, of having a purpose and being, um, well, for me, I, I see, for me, success is just being able to, um, live a life with purpose, with heart, and, um, and to be of service to others, um, to be a light to others is, is what I, if I'm doing that, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm successful. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. Thank you. And two more questions. What do you love most about being in a human body? What do I love so much? That's a good, that's a good one. I'm going to throw the curveballs at the end here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm really going to put them in the unknown yes, on this one. That's right. Um, you know, I, I think the, um, if you really think about it, the, the body is just this amazing, amazing machine. It's just, I mean, I get so fascinated with just how, how much is going on that we have no control over with our body. <laughs> You know, it's just it's so um, fascinating that that we that we have this thing that's so complex, the brain and, and just even being able to use our even sight. is just blows me away that we can see things, you know. So um, I think I just appreciate just just the I'm just fascinated with with how um, how wise the body is. Yeah, so it goes back to their wonderment, right, about what this is. Again, it's a, you have a very beautiful way and wise way of um, answering these questions, um, which I, I call them meaningful and deep. It fascinates me, too, like some human beings are so open to life in, in such a beautiful way. So we, thank you again, Jamie, for being you. Well, thank you. What are three things you wish everyone to experience before they lose the body, before they die? I think experiencing, uh, let's see, three things. 
close connection and intimacy with another human being, the joy of playing with children. And um, oh, let's see. Gosh, you know what? I, I it's, it's funny this comes to mind, but just a, a really, really good night's rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds very simple. <laughs> I, just, I, wonder, I wonder how common that is these days. Uh, yeah, so true. It makes a big difference. <laughs> oh, it's so, so true. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you so much again, Jamie, for being well, you're here. You're welcome. Ah, it's, it's beautiful. Thank you again. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your work, services, products, and future projects? Yes, yes. So I have a website. It's um, uh, www.innatehealth.solutions. That's N-A-T-E, not not in the number eight. Um, so it's innatehealth.solutions. Um, I'm also um, uh, with a practice, uh, where a coaching and counseling practice, uh, Bevel and Associates, um, which is uh, bevelandassociates.com. Um, Google that and you'll find that. That's a way to reach me. Um, I do coaching online um, and in person in, in Alabama where I live and then on online. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably the best way to reach me. Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, Jamie. And we'll talk Thank soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Jamie Sellers and his work, please visit innatehealth.solutions. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.